I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Live from the Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California, it's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondence from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships, everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Welcome to the Dinner Party Show special cocktail chatter road reports edition. This is our penultimate road reports edition. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and my guest and co-host is yeah, I'm Christopher Rice. I don't like being called a guest. This is actually my show too. But let me ask you something. You're the one who keeps going away, Mr. Shaw Quinn. What does penultimate mean it for means our? The second to the last. The, oh, okay. The second to the last. So this is our second to right. the last. So when BMW says the ultimate driving machine, it means the last driving machine. I don't think that's what they mean. Well, it means the zombie apocalypse is coming I and BMW so. is going to cause it. But they've been saying it for about 40 years now, so I think they may not know what ultimate actually means. Hey, Mr. Advertising Guy with your advertising background, do you care to remind us all of your least favorite ad campaign that has ever been on the air, which you quote all the time, which I love? <laughs> is it the Quasar ad for out of our minds and into your home? Yes, excellent. Motorola, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was was the most horrifying ad I've ever seen. Like, out of our minds and into your homes, that sounds like not a good thing. Like the zombie apocalypse. At least. Absolutely. Or like serial killers on the loose or like the purge or right. whatever. Like it was, yeah, it, it, I think it played once. Very elaborate sort of production values. There was like this big spaceman found this big glowing egg thing on some foreign planet and they cracked it open and there was a TV and everything about it was alarming. It was very expensive. Was this, high production the, was this in the out 1980s? Of our minds, in the 1980s? Out of our minds and into your homes. You know, I honestly don't know when that was. Well, I ask because because I am a horror novelist now, the predominant theme in horror films in the 80s were lunatics being set free from asylums because Reagan was closing so many mental facilities. So the, the, the token slasher movie concept was a bunch of crazy people who've been let free show up on your doorstep and was that, burst was that their the movies or the, or the news <laughs> it was both, it was both. <laughs> um so yes i'm a guest on my own show again well you're back from your road trip with your so we're interviewing you about the road trip it doesn't it's not like you've been demoted or something <laughs> i think you maybe want to take this less personally Fine. If you'd rather not talk about your new the, book, uh, your fabulous new best-selling uh, horror suspense novel, The Heavens Rise, mm -hmm. we can talk about something else. Well, I don't know. I, I could only talk about this book for so much longer. Why don't I read pages 60 well, through 80 it for is, this It is the show. penultimate. It's like, the penultimate. We're getting, uh, we're getting close to... And just... Uh, 
to let you know, uh, despite what you may have heard, this is not actually as live as we had originally intended. Because what happened was... What happened was... We got on the air and got all excited last week when we were live and said we would be live this week, and we didn't check the schedule of Brandon, who actually runs our show and makes yeah. it happen. We, and we it have a good time out, here, but we don't actually know how our radio station works, so we needed Brandon to come in and turn it on. Absolutely. So without Brandon, who this weekend is at a ladies' lingerie convention... Apparently, yes, model his new line of penoirs. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brandon. He puts up with so much abuse and he doesn't have a microphone that puts him on the air so he can't talk back. And, you know, I think we deserve some real credit for that. I think so, too. That's some good planning. Yeah. So, anyway, we're can't not hear live. Shea Butters, either. We're not live. Shea Butters is in a room with a computer, which is where we prefer to a have A very him. safe distance away, because, God, when he starts, well... Let's not pick a fight on the air. <laughs> Let's not. Let's not. So, yes, tomorrow, technically, I go to Toronto, Canada. Dun, dun, dun. Are you visiting with the mayor? No! <laughs> that crazy crackhead! Yeah, just be careful. You know, just know if he drinks a lot, he sometimes smokes crack. <laughs> he does. It happens to the best of us. Listen, here's my favorite thing about... No, not the best of us. <laughs> Here's my favorite thing. Can I say my favorite thing? Yes, please. That in order for Americans to talk about this mayor incessantly, the news media has invented this category of North American mayors, as if we're in the habit of, you know, assessing the performance down here in America of the mayor of Ottawa or, like, other Canadian politicians. It's just an excuse to talk about a man who is a preposterous crackhead who can't stay out of the news. Do you know what the largest city in North America is? Don't say Toronto. Is it Toronto? No. Toronto is the fourth largest. Los Angeles is third. New York is second. What's the largest? Oh, I city saw in this North last America? night on the news too because we watch all of the same programs and I'm completely blanking. It's <laughs> okay, so you're New, old and senile. New York is second. My medication has already <laughs> kicked in. <laughs> Wait, okay, so New York is second. Right. LA is third. Right. Toronto is the fourth largest Toronto city in North America. Fourth. So I think that's the reason they're saying it is to try and connote that he is actually this is not, you know, the mayor of Brisbane, yeah, yeah, Bain, yeah. May. This is this is uh the Eric mayor of, pulls a pop culture reference from 1943 out of I his made hat. that up. I didn't want to insult any city, but Let's some not tiny hamlet. What the largest city in in North America is. I'm not. I I haven't let you off the hook yet. Is it Houston? No. Chicago? No. Jesus Christ. Seattle? It's not in the United States. Oh. Vancouver? No. Brandon is waving at us from the booth, and he does not have a T-shirt on that has the name of a city on it, so I'm not... Brandon, Mexico City is not in North America. Yes, it is. Oh, shut up, y'all. That's cheating. Mexico <laughs> City is in Central America. Everything north of Panama How the fuck did I get my own radio show? The north part of... I guess so. The America. Central America is really sort of an idea <laughs> rather than like a continent. Okay, so it's Mexico There's two City. continents, and one of them is the North American continent, and the other is the South American continent, right? You get right. those differences. So Mexico is on the North American continent. They're, while the Rio Grande is wide, it's not wide enough to consider <laughs> that Mexico is on a separate continent. I feel like this was rigged. Okay, Mexico City. I don't see how Not to be, be outdone in drug um, <clears throat> craziness, Toronto's mayor decides to move up the list of 
druggiest big right? cities. Yeah, the, the mayor of Washington, D.C. smoked crack, but it's kind of a sleepy southern town, so nobody really cares who the mayor right. of Washington, D.C. is. Exactly. There's a gay mayor in Seattle now. Oh, that's great. That's and very cool. So Seattle and Houston, right? Houston, the Anise Parker was reelected, the openly lesbian mayor of Houston. We're very excited about that. She has proceeded to turn everyone in Houston into a lesbian, as befits the gay agenda that we all follow. So that's it for cowboy hats. We're that's, moving on to... Oh, girl, I think we still have a place for cowboy hats and some role play. You think? Yeah, yeah I think gay men will find a place But not for as a fashion accessory. Oh, lesbians. I said she turned them all into lesbians. Yes, not yeah, gay still, men. I still think if lesbians... If it was gay men, yeah, they, the gay men were the ones who actually were still wearing the cowboy hats. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that's a little news out there for the rest of you who consider yourself cowboys. That's not what everyone else thinks when you wear that hat. <laughs> absolutely. So I am going to Toronto... <clears throat> we, we need a phlegm button for on the, the dinner annual party crack show. smoking convention. <laughs> to, I'm, I'm going to do an Olivia Pope on the mayor. I'm going to counsel him and, and, and tell him what Eric thinks. Can of his we pause for a second at the mention of Olivia Pope to have a little shout out for Kerry Washington's recent Saturday Night oh, Live appearance? My God, it was the best thing to happen on Saturday Night I Live. I love in her. Like 15 I wish years. she was on a better show on television that I enjoyed watching. Yes, write in all of your scandalous, amazing <laughs> things if you want to. I don't like it. I think well, it's our a grading part. Go for her. back and download. But she's so great. Download the podcast of our episode with Ted Casablanca to find out how we really feel about scandal. Oh, if you can hear podcast. us over the Ted over Casablanca. Ted Casablanca, I don't think anybody found it anything we thought that week. <laughs> I could have brought a Parcheesi board and we could have had a tournament while he and, and Mark, Mark and Draco just tore each other to shreds oh my over God. scandal. Anyway, Carrie Washington's performance was great. And I, uh, th- one of the things that I loved the most was her Miss Uganda in the Miss Universe oh contest. Oh, my God. It was so brilliant. Most of the caricatures presented in the Miss Universe sketch were howlingly politically incorrect. But I had never seen an African, a true African beauty pageant contestant done. And it wasn't done in this, look at this poor starving African, ha ha ha. It was it was a type of character that I'd never seen done on television before. It was hilarious. It was a sort of prideful African woman with this speaking through this harsh dialect. I just love it. My favorite, I have to say, was her the character, the intense and raw-throated character she created for the Would You Still Support Him sketch was genius. It It was was genius. Genius. I've never seen her do that sort of anti-glam, very sort of buttoned. She was... She was a she black, was a, but she was amazing across the board. A black professor of political science from Spelman University, which was a combination of every black political commentator you have seen on MSNBC recently. But she was incredibly well informed. But every time they came back to the "Would you still?" it was the mm-hmm. she went straight back to Sunday church, the "Amen, yes, Reverend" yes. agreement stance. Mm-hmm. Every time they came back to the refrain of "Would yes. you still support?" it was it was brilliant. It was the it was the the juxtaposition of that with this incredibly well-informed, well-spoken, yeah, very well-educated woman mm-hmm. speaking very clearly to the the issues, and right. then absolutely defaulting. <laughs> it was yeah, it was. I, but her performance across the board. I there, I've been hearing a lot. I haven't heard it yet about her performance of, um, 
What does the girlfriend say? Oh, God, that was genius. The The new videos that they do, I had tired out of Andy Samberg's sort of weird music video. Dick in a Box video. Dick in a Box, which I never thought was funny. Although, it's not gay if it's in a three-way. was very funny. Uh, they're doing now sort of more direct satires of music videos. And so they did, uh, as a take on that insane Norwegian song, What Does the Fox Say?, they Which did, what the, does my girl say? Do you know say? that was created as that was the, by us, like the, the, a, a, a version of remember. us. They they were doing it as a joke. We didn't actually do it, but the guys who created that were making fun of it. That's actually they actually. I saw them recently. They apologized to parents everywhere who have had to listen <laughs> to that song. They said we were kidding. What does the fox because say? Because nobody knows what the fox says. Yeah. And you say to kids, what does the cow say? What is the? So they were kidding. <laughs> They were they're actually humorists from Sweden or Norway or Norway, what? I believe. Yeah, some yeah. Scandinavian country. I'm Svili. I'm Oli Sven. I'm um, Zelander. Um anyway, uh they were kidding. Okay. So it's a joke that's actually turned out to be one of the top billboard hits in the in the world. It's that's this amazing. huge yeah, particularly with young people, and so they apologized to parents because they were really sorry. But yeah, they did a a knockoff version with What does my girl say? Who you texting on your phone? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she is really, I think she's a remarkable actress. She's, God, she's a beautiful woman and incredible actress. And yeah, I hope one day she has a television show I can stand to watch. But I distracted you. You were actually. I'm I'm going to Toronto to smoke crack with the mayor. You were actually talking about. Because it's a great book selling opportunity. I'm actually going to Toronto to take part in a reading series with my good friend, Michael Rowe, who's also your good friend. Yes. Michael Rowe is getting ready to publish a new book called Wild Fell, which is a ghost story. We have to have him on the show to talk about it. I thought about We should have him on the show to talk about the mayor. The next time the mayor does something ridiculous, because Michael has been all over this story on Facebook from the very beginning. (laughs) He was insisting this guy had smoked crack, even as everyone was like, there's no tape and there's no proof. And I have to say, I don't know why it is, and maybe I just dreamed it, but I feel like I've seen this video. I think there was a still from the video that made the rounds that nobody Maybe. could quite prove. We covered that when somebody was claiming they had the video and they were going to sell it to right. Gawker. Gawker was trying right. to, was doing like a, a, what do they call it, a fundraising thing, an online fundraiser. <laughs> I can't remember what the, the, the service is called. I think it was Kickstarter. Yeah, they were Kickstarting or something. They yeah. were trying to raise the $200,000 they needed to buy it from the crackheads who, yeah. I guess, wanted a lifetime supply of rock. I don't know how much rock you can get with $200,000, but I bet it's a lot. I bet one of our party people knows. I bet somebody out there knows, and Absolutely. maybe they can supply that information, you know, discreetly. Discreetly. And Email quietly. it to Confidential. crack at the dinner party show.com. <laughs> crack price schedule. Crack, crack prices. Uh, bringing you the latest in crack prices. It's Christopher Rice and Derek Our new Shockley. commodity analysis is a part of the show. We'll cover drug and crack prices <laughs> in <laughs> greater metropolitan areas around the world. Anyway, I'm going to Toronto to take part in this reading series and to see my friend Michael. And then I am flying from Toronto to Phoenix, Arizona. Is that possible? And then to, it is on one do they flight. Have an international at eight in the morning. In Phoenix? In, in Tor- yes, they do. It's called Sky Harbor, and it's lovely. It is the only airport I've ever been in with wall-to-wall carpeting. Oh my God! Canceled her arena tour. <laughs> I'll, I have another story to tell you about that. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, Sky Harbor, Phoenix, Sky Harbor, and I have not had any espresso. Nobody today. is arguing with you, <laughs> it's Christopher. It's a wonderful airport, <laughs> and I need everyone to understand. We do. We've got it. 
There is no dispute. There's no debate. And by the way, can I just pause for a moment of, you know, like a oh, public shit. service announcement what? here on the Dinner Party Show? Um, if you're quoting the New York Times and the leading Senate uh, expert on a particular topic, that doesn't really make your opinion uninformed. <laughs> we're here at the we Dinner got Party some show, Twitter hate. We're believers that everybody's opinion counts, but if your opinion is that my opinion doesn't count, that's not actually an opinion. Yeah, like I'm if you have some internet. thought about. What you think and why you think it, well, we're, I think that's actually debating. But, but can I tell you something else? But believing that somebody else is, is invalid is not actually a debate. We had somebody on Twitter who shall remain nameless because I haven't actually looked at his comment. I've just been told about it. Say that he enjoyed the show, but that our comments about Edward Snowden were uninformed. Oh, we're going all the way there. Well, huh? okay, I'm just going to say... Even though our comments were based on an article in the New York Times and Senator Dianne Feinstein's comments right, exactly. on the case. But let me also say this. This is further proof of why we are a Facebook show. <laughs> because if this guy... Um, this guy on Facebook would be compelled to write a more articulate and fleshed out version of his opinion. Right. I cannot, Which I might still be can't believe, let me say this, I can't believe that everybody insisted on discussing the Trayvon Martin case on Twitter. It was the worst place to discuss this case. 150 characters apiece, it's like, I don't know, I use Twitter personally, but for our show and for our community of party people and for interacting with us, we need Facebook because we're just way too wordy. Well, and because it's an opportunity, like, I, I, this man may well have a very valid point sure. that is, in fact, contrary to what I believe, which is perfectly okay. I'm actually a believer in free speech. Um, ish. <laughs> no, I, I actually— I'm, I'm ish. I'm on the fence. I really do. I mean, I think that—but I, but I'm not a believer in the I think you're an asshole school of free speech. Right. Like, that's not actually a thought. Mm-hmm. That's actually a personal assault. So we welcome uh, dissenting opinions, we're, and we invite you to the Facebook we're page. We're basically to talk inviting about this gentleman to our Facebook page. But, is what we're doing because we're awesome. But yeah, just taking pot shots at people on Twitter is not really expressing your opinion yeah. or providing anybody. You know, I would be more informed if I knew what you actually thought. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, anyway, so <laughs> I'm going to Phoenix. <laughs> Which has a lovely fucking airport, god damn it. Um, Thank you so much for I, letting everybody know. I hope everybody is right. Let me this tell you, I, I want and all it's of our, an international airport. It is right? an international airport. And they have wall to wall carpeting. I want to be the I, hallmark of the finer I want, uh, I want international airports. Our party the people world. to let me know whether or not Phoenix Sky Harbor is the only airport in America with wall to wall carpeting. I've just been told North America is a lot bigger by one country than I thought it was. Didn't Atlanta used to have like a lot of carpeting, if not wall to wall. I was just in Atlanta, and you know, I'm always in the Atlanta airport in a various state of mental deterioration or sleeplessness because I've taken a red eye or I'm connecting at seven in the morning. Or you've been there for 12 hours because there was there a thunderstorm and all the flights were canceled. Absolutely. You know, they still have their smoking lounges. Oh, those their little, little cubicles where like aquariums filled yeah. with smoker fish. I used it that when I was a smoker, those would fill me with such shame. I think I probably quit smoking because of the Atlanta airport lounges. Yeah, I think that's it. That and you just never shutting up about it. Because you quit first. letting it go. I really did. Eric Shaw Quinn quit smoking first. So, yeah, we're going to I Phoenix. I smoked when I was awake. We're, uh, 
let me just get this in before we start being our tomfooling selves again. We're at Changing Hands, which is a bookstore in Tempe, Arizona, which is apparently like the Kenner of Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know where it is. It's not. <laughs> it's outside of Phoenix, but it's very close to right. Phoenix. I, I think Phoenix is a big metropolitan area, yeah. and there are a lot of really substantial suburbs. When uh, One of the biggest signings I ever did was in Glendale, Arizona, right. at the Walmart there. People actually camped outside in August. Wow. For a signing. I was really impressed with that kind of commitment. Well, you know, it's one of the only major cities in the American Southwestern desert that doesn't close down for the summer because it's not a vacation community. Like it, Phoenix has to continue to function as a large city in 120 degree heat. It's not like Palm Springs God, where they roll up the sidewalks in June and come back in, you know, August or September. Yeah, I just, it's one, I think it actually, like, I could be wrong about this, but I think one of the big sells for Phoenix when they first were growing the city, um, to use that sort of horrible modern business term, um, was it was a great place to go if you were like asthmatic. Yes, or had it was for the air, and now because of the enormous metropolitan area, the air is actually worse there than yeah. most places because it gets. It's a bowl too. Yeah. It's a valley, right? Yeah. Just like LA, it gets the all the bad air gets locked in by the weather. Right. Well, but that's not a reason not to go to Phoenix or to Christopher's exciting book signing. <laughs> which which day is the book signing? Oh, you gotta be. You're all about details now. It's, I'll tell you when we come back from the it's break. It's Wednesday. Okay, so we'll have exciting details about where the hell Christopher Rice might be and where, uh, how you might see him there and where he's been. We'll do some backtracking and cover some no, of the I'm other places. I'm done talking about where for I've the been. road reports. Well, I'm not. So you're just gonna have to deal with that. You're the guest. <laughs> be a good guest. All right. So uh, <laughs> this is the dinner party show. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice, the guest. And we'll be right back with our guest, Christopher Rice, right after this. And now the Dinner Party Show presents your local news, brought to you by The Truth. Good evening, I'm John Stencil, and that weird story last week about me getting rough with my ex-girlfriend had more truth to it than I care to admit. I'm Chet Pastry, and I just spent a half hour in the bathroom with a new intern and some cocaine. And tonight, while the world debates serious national security concerns and its financial systems await any serious or meaningful reform, we bring you a random act of violence in a local neighborhood. We'll be presenting it as if it's evidence of an epidemic that might threaten you or your children, when really it's just the work of one complete lunatic who was probably failed by a mental health system you don't want to discuss, fix, or adequately fun. Now we bring you an interview with one of the neighbors of the accused who didn't really know the individual all that well and is now using this incident as an excuse to get on television. Well, I don't know the guy all that well, but he said something shitty to me once about my lawn, so I'm going to pretend like I saw this whole thing coming and nobody listened to me. And I'm going to act all concerned for my fellow neighbors, even though I don't know most of their names or what damn countries they're even from. In other meaningless distractions tonight, residents attended a town hall meeting local politicians held just to give the illusion that they cared what residents thought about a brand new project that's being funded by the large real estate developers who actually control this entire community. The residents, seen here in a series of gratuitous close-ups intended to make them look like angry junkyard dogs, spent the evening shouting 
shouting speeches that ranged from incoherent to schizophrenic, but all of which shared a common theme, the belief that it was the job of local government officials to soothe their constantly hurt feelings and to remove all fear human beings feel when they realize the outcome of their lives is entirely uncertain and their neighbors are largely motivated by greed and self-interest. Chat? Thanks, John. Kids did something precious today in a group, and we sent a camera crew to capture them doing it. That way, we can skirt allegations that the only time we show a picture of a cute kid is when one's been killed in a hit and run. John? And now it's time for the weather report, that thing you can all get on the internet in 15 seconds, but which we bring you courtesy of a hot lady who chose this career path over porn. Poppy? Single man, it's Poppy Vaincock here, and I've had enough white wine spritzers to forget that I wanted to be an actress. Anyway, people a lot smarter than me came up with all the fancy graphics you're seeing behind me right now, so I'm just gonna stand here and read off a weather report cobbled together from official weather reports issued by actual meteorologists. Did you guys see me in any get your gun? We did Annie get your gun down at the playhouse here downtown. I guess no one saw it. Okay. <laughs> so here are some actually relevant weather predictions, most of which will be disproven by the time the week's out. Oh, and here's a map of the area in case you moved here like five fucking minutes ago. <laughs> Why anyone would do that, I have no idea. Move here, I mean. I've been trying to get out of this town for years. That's it for me, Poppy Vaincock. And, uh, yeah, the name's totally fake. And, yeah, I just sort of, you know, I'm I'm not sure how much longer I can do any of it. But for now, there's wine until it's all over. Thanks, Poppy. I'm really glad I didn't date you when I had the chance. Dating doesn't happen in the third floor bathroom, Chad. Neither does getting rough with your ex-girlfriend because she rightfully accused you of being a closet case. John? Before we end tonight, let's pretend like we're doing something for our nation's youngest veterans. Let's pretend like we've given something besides platitudes since they returned home from one wholly unjustified war and another perpetual and unwinnable one. Here are clips of a ceremony that did nothing to give them job training or create employment opportunities or provide them with essential health care as they struggle with the after effects of post-traumatic stress disorder. Here. Look, watch, don't you feel better now? No, we don't either. I'm John Stencil. And I'm Chet Pastry. And this has been your local news, brought to you by... The, the Truth. Truth. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. My co-host, Christopher Rice, is currently on Nationwide Book Tour with his mother, novelist Anne Rice. Christopher is promoting the release of his first supernatural thriller, The Heavens Rise, and Anne is celebrating her new novel, The Wolves of Midwinter, the second installment in The Wolf Gift Chronicles. A complete tour schedule is available on Christopher's website, www.christopherricebooks, that's all one word, christopherricebooks.com. But I want to keep you posted on what they're up to week to week, so if there's an event in your area, you won't miss your chance to meet Anne and Christopher in person. 
This week, Christopher heads to Toronto, Canada, where he'll take part in the Kairoscuro Reading Series on the evening of Wednesday, November 13th at 8 p.m. The following day, Christopher will join his mother, Anne, for a joint signing event in the Phoenix area at Changing Hands Books in Tempe, Arizona at 6 p.m. More details about all of these events can be found on the complete tour schedule at www.christopherricebooks, that's all one word, christopherricebooks.com. More importantly, if you can't make any of these events in person, don't hesitate to contact the stores directly. Many will have signed copies of both Christopher and Anne's books available for sale online. The Heavens Rise and the Wolves of Midwinter, currently on sale wherever books are sold. But don't miss the chance to meet Christopher and Anne in person as their nationwide book tour continues. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and we now return you to The Dinner Party Show. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show Cocktail Chatter Road Reports Penultimate Edition. <laughs> the longest title in the history of radio. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry they can't see the hand gestures. I'm Eric you're Shaw Quinn. That, Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. Co-host and this week's guest. Special guest. Very special. Every week, but this week he's uh, the person reporting on the road, which is what makes him the guest, not any demotion in uh-huh. status that uh-huh. he's experienced. Same chair, same teacup. It's pretty much the same over there. Uh-huh. I don't know. Does it feel different to you? No, it doesn't feel different. Uh, let me catch up from the previous segment before we went to break. The signing that my mother and I are doing in Tempe, Arizona, is this Thursday, and it's at 6 p.m., which is an hour earlier than most of the other events we've been doing. I don't know why. Maybe they're trying to catch some of that desert sunlight, but no, with daylight savings. You they know, don't have daylight savings time in uh, Arizona. Fucking Arizona, man. They are just innovators and rebels I w- it's the only it's the only thing i actually really really like like about arizona I'm oh, sure it's I a really, wonderful place it's beautiful i love arizona oh yeah it is stunning gorgeous anyway worst sunburn i ever got in my life you were driving through arizona driving through arizona when i drove out to california i drove all the way from el paso texas to phoenix arizona with the top down on my car in july that's the, a great plan. And the woman at the La Quinta Motor Lodge in Phoenix, where I pulled in because I could see this giant dust storm headed towards me, and it was so terrifying that I went, yeah, I'm done. That's as far as I'm going to go. The woman actually screamed across the lobby, oh, my God, I'll call ahead and have them fill a bathtub with Jello. She may have said aloe, but I think she said Jello. Jello? What does yeah. Jello do for a sunburn? I think it just to cool you down. That like woman I wanted to get with you. She has a fetish for a, sunburn gay guys. Literally, like it was because it was my first experience of the dry heat that you hear so much oh about God. out here. Yeah. Like it wasn't hot in a way that I understood hot. Yeah. The only other comment I'd had on the way was when the guy in Tucson accused me of trying to cool off Arizona because I was driving with the top down and the AC on <laughs> across <laughs> the deserts of New Mexico and Arizona. But I get yeah, it. the most stunning, the most amazing scenery I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I think it's a beautiful part of the country. Anyway, I'll be there Thursday with mom. I was in San Francisco this week. Right, where you got to meet I met face-to-face with many of our party people regulars. Three in particular who have been some of the most loyal party people who have been with us from the very beginning, I think the first show. Samiko Salson and her mother came to the signing. She brought me a gorgeous painting. Right, which I can't wait to see. Artwork. Yeah, we're going to hang it in the studio prominently, even though I didn't talk to you about it yet. Yeah, we'll <laughs> Design <see>. director. 
<laughs> or maybe I'll hang it at home. We'll see. It was gorgeous. It was a poster for Squeal, the oh, horror movie about killer excellent. pigs I'm always talking about. Okay, so, Very excellent. And she came with her mom, who was amazing. I loved her mother. She was so, so cool, both of them. Uh, and Justin Simpson was there as well. Oh, who does a lot of artwork. I, I understand he's already hard at work on a... Thanksgiving, I don't know, Last Supper rendition of the Dinner Party Show. Right. He's uh, illustrating I don't what a Dinner Party Show Thanksgiving would look like, the first Dinner Party Show Thanksgiving. I guess so. Pilgrims and I Indians so. and we'll construction see. workers and cops. <laughs> right. A village people Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving show. Um, I, He's very tall. Really? He's a lot taller oh, than I, I like expected. tall. Yeah, you do like I've tall. always been very fond of him anyway, but now yeah. I'm even more fond of him because I like tall. You, you, Eric likes tall. Okay, awkward. Um, And Buffy Peterson and her entire is she tall? family. Buffy Peterson is not tall. Buffy Peterson is actually the same height as my mother, which would be 5'2". I think so we had that conversation at the me. table. She's even shorter than Eric Shaw Quinn. Which is amazing. They drove... Eight hours round trip wow. to be at the event. They drove four hours from Reno, Nevada. Wow, that is so sweet. Yeah, and it was her kid. Her sons were awesome. I just <laughs> love. We got a picture with like the whole family. The rule at book signings is that in order to keep the line moving, people are not allowed to step behind the table to take a picture. But it always gets broken for certain people. But with her, the family was so big, it worked out in front of the table. It looked kind of like a Last Supper kind of thing. Oh, perfect. So that was great. So the, the, those were just three Who of was the Judas? party people I met. I was. You were Judas? I was Judas. I was looking away oh, okay. and checking my cell phone. I was texting. <laughs> painting is called Judas Texting. It was Judas text. I like that. So the yeah, Judas text. That the Judas text has real potential for a spy thriller. This fall from a former advertising executive who wants to be Dan Brown. The Judas text. Um, so that it was fun. The San Francisco event was great. The line went all the way outside the store. We were at Opera Plaza, which was on Van Ness. That's not interesting information. But in the past, I had gone to BookSync in the Castro. And uh, and they were not a big enough store to accommodate this event, so we went to another book saying, while I was there, I wandered up the street I know. to sign stock at a different light, news. and they were gone. They were That's just so gone. sad for me. I know I that just, we're it's a changing world, and you know there also aren't any buggy whip stores or yeah. carriage um, lots. I don't know where they would sell carriages, but wherever. So like time progresses, but it's sad for me to lose different lights. It light was the was last a, a different light. Stop on my yeah. first book tour with Say Uncle back in eighteen fifty two when I was young and dinosaurs and ruled the, the book earth. Book was on marble tablets. Books yeah, were actually engraved on marble tablets. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, it's it's a sad loss. I'm sorry to see the little bookstores going away. Although one of the things you said about the San Francisco market was even so, the bookstores in San Francisco are independents. Yes. It's the complete reverse of, of every other city we went to. Dallas doesn't have a single independent bookstore within their city limits anymore. It's all Barnes & Noble. Uh, San Francisco does not have a single what the media escort called big box bookstore. Meaning big Barnes Bad Books. Right, Big Bad Books. Inside the city and everything inside the city, with the exception of a Costco that sells books, but probably not with the same inventory as, yeah. a, as an independent bookstore. Uh, it's all independence. It's Book Passage, which has several locations. It's Books, Inc., which is a local chain. It has eight locations in Northern California. So all of that is, uh, you know, all that is really encouraging because going to San Francisco on a book tour is like the old days. Not only is the store demographic reversed from the rest of the city, but there are multiple events happening simultaneously because of that. 
demographic. Excellent. So you look at the listing and you're like, oh my God, they may be going to see Anne Lamott. I mean, better take some antidepressants. Um, you know, <laughs> or they may be going Poor to see Joel Gomez or all those sort of stuff. And yeah. I wish Anne enjoyed writing more. I feel bad <laughs> for her. I want to like buy her a board game or something. Like do something for Listen. fun, Anne. You clearly writing really upsets you. <laughs> Listen, I, I just wish you had a better time it's, with it. It's, it's She's not a writing. wonderful writer. She is a wonderful writer, but it's not writing that upsets Anne. It's being alive that upsets I guess, Anne a lot. She's dealing with she it in her own way. about writing, she's yeah. always so. It's just such a miserable, angst-producing <laughs> experience. My heart just goes out to her. I have such a good time with it. I, I just feel bad for her. Well, you have a good time with it because I'm here. I have um, a good time with everything. You really, you have too much of a good time. I really do. Too much of a good time can be Eric Shaw Quinn. Too much fun. The Eric Shaw Quinn story. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. The Eric Shaw Quinn story. <laughs> this week on Lifetime. Anyway, so that was... So um, where else did you go since the last time we talked? That was... Well, let's see. Dallas and then San Francisco. This, These were cities in which we spent multiple days. New Orleans, Dallas, and San Francisco. Um, well, San Francisco was like two days. But um, that's really... That's kind of been it. And, and then I had some time off. Mom has gone on... This week, Mom went on to Vancouver without me, which is... I don't really is know. Is it personal, do you think? No, I just think I'm not allowed into Vancouver after the... The my, incident. The, the, the mov- little movie I made with some friends. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> I, after the incident. There is no movie. There was no incident. Well, it was it's a... It's a joke. It, yeah, no, there's no movie. Don't go looking for some movie. Some Vancouverian movie. I Go ahead, but don't expect to find Christopher. Pe- I have to say, people on her Facebook page were expecting me to be there, and I it was disappointing to let them know that I wasn't. I think wasn't. it just fell through the cracks. I think it's one of those things where they would have done it if anybody had thought it all the way through. Yeah. It's been such a big... It's I been got, weeks. I'm, I have to say, I am not that upset to have had the time off. <laughs> you, I, but this I, tour like, has been going on and on and on and on and on. And listen, it's a different... It's one thing if you're just me, and you do you know, 10, 20-person little intimate readings in the bookstores when you go out and chat with people... These are two and three hour signings. These are these are book. Yeah. The last two signings began with a spray of book collectors who each had probably everything she had ever written. And the stores like to put certain rules in place. And as soon as you get up to the table, mom throws the rules out the window. It's like I'm going to sign everything. You know, it's it's a right. gift to be here. You right. Know? You yeah, know, it's I, wonderful to see people. Yeah. Writing is so in your head. It's really a wonderful experience to be able to see the people who've read your work. I I've always felt that. That reading somebody's book or somebody's writing is the most intimate experience that you can have with them because you're actually experiencing their thought process in your head mm-hmm. as it unfolded for them. I, I don't even think sex is more intimate than that. It's so completely interior. So the bond that you develop with writers that really speak to you, that really reflect and and uh, resonate in your own mind and in your own heart— right? I think is an incredibly emotional and very, um, I don't even have the right word intimate, for it. Intimate. Intimate, I think, is the, is the best way to describe it. It is I a said very recently, sort of personal experience. I said recently on Facebook that a book is sex between two brains, yours and the author's, and even if it was bad, you're going to walk away tired. Right? That's probably why I get so sleepy when I read it. Right? I know, absolutely. Yeah, that would explain it. Anyway, so that's that's that. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to say, but it went completely out of my head. We were well, talking I'm so about glad you brought that up. Lovely party people. This is really Let's talk good about things technique. we can't think of. Things we can't think of. There was another thing, and I was thinking, I made a note, but I lost the note. Was it to the book um, tour? No, I'm sick of talking about the book tour. The book okay. tour has been great. So we'll I'm be done. back next week for the final wrap-up of the book tour. 
it will technically be the first anniversary of the show, but because Christopher is going to be out of town almost all of next week, um, it's not really possible for us. So we'll do something special to mark the occasion. We'll let you know. We'll keep you posted. posted. But we are back. We will be live in the studio next week. Right? Let's ask our sound guy, Brandon. Brandon, you'll be Brandon, here, right? Brandon, are you available next Sunday? Are okay. we allowed? He's saying yes. He's so saying we have, yes. Yes, we have confirmation. So we we'll will at be. least be live in the studio. We've got a special guest we're trying to work out, maybe. Um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you posted. So watch the Facebook page for that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll have um, details from Toronto, Christopher's... Um, Crack partying experiences. Depending on how bad the crack is, I may not be back in time. Or at least Michael. I don't know. I may have to call in with via the Skype line as we Michael's death match with the mayor. I judging. I I haven't read Michael's coverage, but I would be willing to bet it's been sharp. Let me tell you why. And well observed. Why people were paying so much attention to this mayor before he turned out to be a crackhead was that he was styling himself as the Chris Christie of Toronto. He was I'm tough talking, gonna cut your salary while I smoke crack. You know, he was that guy. So. People were pretty pissed with him to begin with. So for him to turn out to be this kind of a slobby idiot, you know. He's really heavy. I think smoking crack would be dangerous with that much strain on your heart already. And people are saying he's clearly not too big of a crack addict because they're not known for their size. Yeah, I would think he would have lost some of that baby weight. Yeah, anyway, so to preach from the pulpit of <laughs> tough talk and personal responsibility while sliding into drunken stupors and smoking crack. Well, apparently what he says while he is in the video, the alleged video that everybody's dying to see, um, is that he's saying, I'm the conservative candidate. This could never get out for me to be doing this. <laughs> I'm the conservative guy. And then he says horrible things about uh, ethnic groups and gay people and whatever. Yeah, from his conservative perspective, I guess because oh, for great. some reason in our culture, being conservative has become synonymous with being a bigot. I think that's unfortunate because I think it's possible to be conservative without being hateful. I agree. I hope so. I agree. I God, agree. It has really been an amazing week in the elections. Uh, people are less amazed. The the one that amazes me is the the Alabama race where the mm-hmm. the Tea Party candidate failed to um to uh primary that's the word right. that they use to primary the mainstream republican candidate in Alabama yeah. it's like people have finally I hope you the said you were turned. you were less moved by the Virginia gubernatorial election with Ken Cuccinelli, who can go have a lot of oral sex now that he lost. Hey, have fun, right. Ken. Yeah, um, live it up. Enjoy the sodomy, babe. But, but you were you were taken with the Alabama experience because of all the, all of the states in which a Tea Party primary challenge should have worked. It was a deeply southern red one, like right. Alabama. You would think, but apparently, maybe we're looking at. I don't know that it means anything. I, I think it, it it's a bit ludicrous to like. I've been watching the news. They've been, they're now prognosticating, they're using all of this as bellwethers for what this means for the 2016 presidential oh, election, God. which, as you know, we are not discussing here We're at the Dinner Party discussing. Show. We're not discussing it. We don't care what they bring up. But uh, I do think, I would love to see us moving away from this sort of blow up the government, mm-hmm. anarchist kind of attitude and towards. I just more of a discourse, mm-hmm. as we were talking about earlier, like an actual, you know, this is my idea, this is your idea, let's find an idea that's somewhere in between them that works, as opposed to, we're going to blow up the government if you don't do what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, I hope, this is America saying, 
we're really sick of this. There was an election during the Clinton years, during around the Monica Lewinsky, a midterm election, I think in his second term, where they would not let go of the Monica Lewinsky thing. And everybody in America kept saying, every poll kept saying, we're really sick of this. You should really let this go. Mm-hmm. No, we're tired of it. No, we don't care. No, if Hillary's upset about it, they should work it out. But it's really, we don't care. Right. There's actually a country to run, and we actually want you to do that because that was the job we elected you to do. And they didn't let it go, and there was a, they got... They had bad results in the midterm. It was very much – it was one of those situations, and I don't know if we're headed up to something like that, but I would like us at least to move to a place where we are at a more reasonable discourse mm-hmm. where we can actually reason through things mm-hmm. rather than just seeing them as this sort of like absolute my way or the highway kind of blackmail I was I was watching the news last night and I was watching Rachel Maddow's interpretation of these elections and I wonder if we are living through the first chapter of the death of these ideas that you're talking about this government is the enemy government we are not a part of our government it is a, it is an unnatural force bearing down upon us I wonder if the reason this looks so crazy right now is because it's the beginning of the recession of this idea you know because the way that the radical right is behaving is like losers that's how they're acting they're acting like desperate terrorist losers and the and the, and I don't say that just to pathologize them, but the 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 mo of of somebody who is a terrorist is that I have no other recourse but what I'm doing. I can't. The I have right. no it's voice. Like- I have no power. And, and and that's the position of if you're in, in politics already, and that's your position. It's because the support for your idea is gone. You know, the problem is you can't you have to call Barack Obama a socialist zombie and all these things that he isn't really because your ideas don't have enough power by themselves to gather support and to penetrate the sort of marketplace of ideas and discourse. And I think alternately, there aren't any ideas like there isn't an alternative to Obamacare, Mm -hmm. to the Affordable Health Care Act. None has been presented. Right. So, okay. What is your idea? You know, right. rather than just simply saying, I don't like your idea, tell me what your idea is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't like my idea, great. I understand. That's your option. Have a better idea or a different idea, and let's talk about, right. you know, where somewhere in the middle. But there has been this ongoing, like this desire to do something about the deficit. Okay, what would you cut? Mm-hmm. Don't expect other people to do it or do the chicken shit automatic sequester 10% across right. the board cut thing, which just gets you off the hook for actually having to take responsibility. Take some responsibility. Actually propose cutting some stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't want to deal with the political consequences of it, then shut up about it. Right, exactly. You know, but if you do actually, and I think it's perfectly valid, I, I don't agree with you, but if that's what you want to do, then say what you would do. And I, I, that's what I would like to see begin to happen more. Mm-hmm. We're actually talking about two different notions rather than this is our idea and these are the people who hate our idea. Right, exactly. Like, that's not really a choice for anybody. Exactly. Well, what what is happening, right, is that the state of California voted to raise income taxes in the last election, not this one that just happened because we didn't really, I don't think we had an election here in California on this election day. We're on a different calendar. But anyway. If we did, it didn't involve West Hollywood. Right, exactly. We voted to raise income taxes to fund public education. 
more mm-hmm. adequately. New York City, de Blasio, who just won as mayor, one of his big uh, campaign platforms was a higher tax on anyone who made over $500,000 a year in order to fund kindergarten and pre-K programs. So these are two very big parts of the country that are adopting a different attitude, the anti-Chris Christie attitude, which is I'm going to cut education because that's where we should be tightening our belts is in how smart we are as citizens, you know? Well, it is the on, the bigger debate, I think, for me has always been, and I don't want to turn this into a show about politics. We'll Too late! We'll move on to um Yeah, Talitha Wagner usually tells us to move on from the politics. Well, I'm with her. Be I, funny, guys. Well, I want to talk about that dishy book, too. That's a, That'll be a good oh way God, out of this. Oh, my God, that's a great way out of this. But, yeah. but it, it seems like the debate is like, if you want some, if you like the problem that we're having is a revenue problem. Right. We're not actually having a spending problem. Like there's 300 million or plus people living in this country and they need goods and services. And if you ask them what they would cut, they will tell you it's none of the stuff that government does. They they all say they want to cut government spending. But when you ask them program by program what they would cut, it's none of those things. So they don't want to cut any of those things. So we need to stop having this debate about whether or not you like paying taxes, because nobody does, Mm -hmm. and start actually looking at revenue sources Mm -hmm. for what the things that we do actually want government to do. I just think that's a more productive way to go rather than this I hate taxes. Well, I hate taxes, too. I also hate measles. But, you know, like I'm doing something about it. Right. Absolutely. But if I hear one more right wing Republican blame the budget or budget crisis or the deficit on Barack Obama, President Obama, excuse me, and not on the previous president who started an unfunded war and squandered a budget surplus. I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. I'm going to go crazy. And cut taxes twice during unfunded tax cuts during the same period. Anyway. Anyway. It's a revenue problem. Like that's what we need to be. But. But Moving speaking into of the previous president and election, shallow, oh my God, fun political dish. The authors of Game Change have a new book Did you out. Watch the, I on. haven't watched that because, really but I fun. was at the gym reading the book on the elliptical, as I like to do, thanks to your discovery that oh it can be done on God, your iPad it's quite the well. Best place to read. And I don't know if any of it is true. This is These are the authors that gave birth to the HBO sh- uh, movie Game Change, which was about Sarah Palin this and John McCain. called Double Down. Double Down, Game Change 2. <laughs> That's literally the title of <laughs> it. Dun, dun, dun. The Revenge. Right. And it's starting off, in, and you know, if you read the book Game Change, you know that 50% of it was about McCain and Palin, which is the only 50% that HBO made the movie about, which pissed off Republicans. Um, and then the <laughs> other 50%- they were completely calm before. <laughs> <laughs> Not upset about anything prior to the production Absolutely. of that film. And the other 50% was about Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Right. And there are moments in it that are so filmic and ridiculous. You think, did this really happen? Did Barack Obama really call Hillary at midnight and beg her to be Secretary of State and say, I can't do it without you, Hillary, now that the economy has tanked? God, and she was great. Yeah. So anyway, and there are moments like this studded throughout this book, which I haven't finished yet, but the one that everybody is talking about is Michelle Bachman hanging her head well, there are two moments. The first one is Michelle Bachman going, Oh, God, I'm a loser! After she lost the Iowa, um, I don't remember what. It wasn't the Iowa caucus because she won the Iowa caucus. The straw caucus. poll. She bought enough votes yeah. to win the She won the poll. Iowa straw poll, but she lost the Iowa other thing. The, the caucus. <laughs> the caucus. Thank you, Eric Sharkwood. And then the other one is apparently a Romney advisor who had greenlit the Clint Eastwood speech at the convention watched the Clint Eastwood speech, and then went in the other room and threw up. Yeah. (laughs) Had a complete breakdown. Tore up the room, screaming fit, vomited, really, after assuring, oh, it's fine, don't worry about it, nobody will be... Yeah, and then it was the only... 
Nobody talked about Romney's speech the next day. They only talked about Clint Eastwood having a fight with an empty chair, which was apparently inspired by the Neil Diamond song, I Am I Said, to no one there except the chair or whatever the lyric is, something along those lines. So with the part that I have read, which doesn't include any of these two scenes yet because I haven't gotten to the Republican portions of the book, but it shows um, its depiction of, of President Obama is a someone who doesn't take advice really well, who um, who was hamstrung by his advisors in the beginning, and who was really brought down by Rahm Emanuel in the beginning, in Rahm Emanuel's adversarial style, and that Emanuel left before he could deal with the consequences of anything that he had done in the White House. But I'll tell you the two tidbits that, that I would like to know if they're true, and they seem like throwaway details, it's that, unlike Bush, who never read a newspaper, because it, uh-huh. it confused him, Michelle Obama apparently watches Morning Joe on her treadmill in the morning and then fires off furious emails to Valerie Jarrett about things that various talking heads said. Uh-huh. And uh, President Obama is very familiar with right-wing blogs and displays a shocking familiarity with the blog postings of Michelle Malkin, who is about <laughs> as radical right-wing nut job as I you can get. I think she is the meanest person on she's television. She's person. just mean. She's an awful person. Oh, she scares me. I would Matt run Taibbi, who is, who is no her. prince himself, calls her goibles and heels. <laughs> goibles. She's just ridiculous. Goibles and heels. Here comes goibles and heels. No, she's a, she's crazy. Uh, Shit, you know, sometimes like uh, here's the thing we talked about. I know we talked about free speech earlier, yada yada yada. But I, I you know, like <laughs> if you're just gonna lie, like I tip in on some right wing Facebook friends that I have just to see what lies they are posting, just outright lies, fantasy, fantasies. You know, government spending is at its highest. It's never. It's at its lowest. It's the lowest it's been since President Eisenhower. We're actually, know? yeah, the deficit is actually falling. Yeah, the and they have rate. they have this meme, and I hate memes because they're so glib, particularly when they're about politics. But it's it's a picture of the gas chambers. Okay, are you ready for this picture of the gas chambers? And it says, "They told them this was a shower. They told us we could keep our health care plan." <laughs> oh my I'm like, god! If you post this. I'm going to call you a fucking idiot because, you know, it's the false equivalency thing that we always talk about, right? That Aaron Sorkin talked about on Newsroom, that if two, that if somebody in Congress says the sky is purple, the headline will have to read, Congress disagrees over color of sky, when we all know it's not purple. Yeah. I thought we were getting off of politics. I did, too. But we've <laughs> gone down this, you know, it's the same. It's back to the same thing. It, it is about having an informed debate. Right. Like, if you're just going to make stuff up. That's still not actually a debate. Mm -hmm. There actually have to be real things. Mm -hmm. We're actually discussing real things. So, yeah, just making things up, just saying that Obamacare is going to cost $10 trillion and it will destroy jobs is not actually a debate because those are not true. Right, exactly. So it isn't any different than just saying, I think you're an asshole is my opinion. And, you know. That's it. Your ideas. I know, bad. and I try to check myself because isn't it the same thing? If I call Michelle Malkin crazy, aren't I guilty of the same well, thing? Well, I, I think that she has adopted a style that is pretty confrontative, right. and I think she is also a participant in that sort of um, Republican PR machine that that particular alleged news organization has become. Like right. they are not about reporting facts. Like right. that's not actually news reporting. So I don't think it's quite the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like 
I think that there are opinion pages where people say, well, this is what I think. And I think that whole network, with one mm-hmm. or two um, shining exam- exceptions, um, is pretty much all opinion pages, all about this exactly. is what I think. It's not fact-based. It's just my personal opinion. And I guess that's fine. But if people are making decisions based on somebody else's opinion rather than on real facts— are we really better off for having heard them? Absolutely. The strategy, as I understand it, of Pat Buchanan when he was advising Nixon, the mm-hmm. sort of the silent majority years, yeah. was we're going to infiltrate the opinion pages of the newspapers because those are not fact-checked. Right. And we can frame the debate from there without the hamstrunging. Yeah. hamstringing. I was just thinking this morning in the shower that much of what's wrong with the political um, atmosphere in this country, much of where we are today, this sort of gridlock place, I think is directly attributable to Pat Buchanan mm-hmm. and Lee Atwater. Yes, absolutely. They're two of the most destructive forces that have ever come into. I was thinking about that show, um, Crossfire. Yes, which is back, by the way. You know, people screaming at each other about what mm-hmm. they thought rather than having a reasoned debate about something. Right. That was an outlier when it was on the air to begin with. Right. And now it's kind of the way we conduct our political affairs. And I think hardball is just as annoying. I, I you know, it's a I liberal don't version. I don't watch it. I, I don't think actually it's just watch. as annoying. It's I shouting. Really, it's, I, I, the thing that yeah. I love about Rachel is that she's a great storyteller. Yes. She tells big, interesting stories. And she interviews people, too, and frankly, those are of less interest to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My favorite are, let's get a bunch of liberal pundits together and talk about what we think the Republicans are going to do next. <laughs> like, I don't really care what you guys think about what the Republicans <laughs> How we agree next. with each other. Yeah. Or well, how we all let's agree talk about, about this how we thing. really all yeah, agree with each other. We all really think this is terrible that they're right. doing this. Yeah, I do too. And I don't, I'm not really using, but I love the sort of, I, I always used to love it about all things considered, that sort of seeing the bigger picture by telling a bigger story. Mm-hmm. I think it is, I think that it is very tempting, particularly in a format like television, to reduce everything to its most you know, sort of glib talking point kinds right. of ideas, but that's not really it. That's not really the story. That's mm-hmm. not really the the whole picture. I, I think we were talking about it the other day. I think there has been an effort to turn politics into sports or right. entertainment, where it's about the gossip or where it's about which. And I, we were know, talking doubled, about it because it's kind of what this book Double, double Down, Down does. I love Double Down, but it is sort of about the right. gossip rather than about. The really serious, there are really serious issues out there. There are right. wars and foreign policies, and twenty-five uh, percent of all children in America are living in poverty. Like mm-hmm. that's terrible. Absolutely. Like the, these are the issues that I think bear talking about, mm-hmm. and ought to be the the focus rather than who's in power and who's on first and who's doing whatever. If we were getting things done, I don't care who's in power. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I really don't. But when we're just undoing things right, or we're just trying to improve the tax liability of really rich people, I think that we've missed the point of governance. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it is. I think it is largely because of this atmosphere that was created by the Pat Buchanans and the Lee Atwaters of the world who created this sort of negative, um, anti-driven version of political discourse. And a central plank of that approach was that if your tax dollars go to a social safety net, 
it will be helping primarily people who aren't like you, who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who don't understand you, who aren't working as hard. You know, it was that divisive language that crept into the national consciousness and played on everybody's fears and phobias, right? And bigotry. And bigotry. Yeah. And it was a it, it was a big success here in California with Prop 13. You know, like oh, we want to look the worst you know, thing we ever did to this state yeah. and the country. Absolutely. Anyway, so that's us for not talking about politics. Yeah, we Sorry, did a great job everybody. of that. <laughs> Sorry for not, you know, give us some tea and some bed rest, which is what I've been on. And suddenly all we can talk about is what was on Rachel Maddow last night. Absolutely. Can't help it. Sorry, but that wasn't actually last night. That was last week by the time you're hearing this. What is happening this coming week is that Christopher will be in Toronto for the Kairoscura Reading Festival. Reading series, reading yes, series. absolutely. But I'm fine with it being turned into a festival. Let me remind people when that is. That is, uh, oh, that is at the top half of my website. That is the 13th, and that is at 8 p.m., and you can... There is no location listed on my website. So that's very helpful, Christopher. So we will have Shea Butters post something on the Facebook page immediately. Shea, get right on that. The Chiara Scuro Reading Series, which is put on by Cheesing Books, which is a great independent publisher of fantasy, sci-fi, and horror up there in North North America. And then the next day... The next day, which Phoenix, is Arizona, otherwise Wednesday. known as Tempe. That's Thursday, the Thursday. 14th of November. I'll be at Changing Hands in at Tempe. At 6 o'clock. At 6 o'clock with they my mother. Don't have daylight savings time, so don't set your clock back That's or forward. That's so or confusing. How think, are we going to get through this Indiana tour? Indiana and Arizona don't do that. Anyway, so you'll be at the Changing Hands bookstore. So the tour and is we, almost over. We have an event yet to be scheduled at Just Fabulous in the desert here in California. Out Excellent. in the Palm Springs area. But we're gonna that'll happen probably in December. And I should say, for all those of you who are expecting a signed page from the manuscript as payment, well, not payment, as a, as a gift for participating in our Lend pre-order app. campaign, I will get right on that. I am doing that myself, and I will post updates on my Facebook page and on the Facebook page for the Heavens Rise and the And maybe show. we'll actually send that Dan Savage book to... Uh... M. Ross Michaels. <laughs> Sorry. I just saw I looked through it earlier. I come in and I look through it as if, well, maybe the signatures disappeared and we should, you know. Yeah. I think we're going to have to fly him to Seattle to meet Dan to make up for... Make, yeah, make we'll for... see. 28 months. Anyway, so thank you all for being a part of the dinner party. Christopher, it's great to have you around home more often yeah, it's here good. lately, and I'm looking forward to beginning to rev up the dinner party show engines and get back to you, but next Absolutely. week will be the big finale of our Road Rules Cocktail Chatter, Road Rules, Road Reports, Cocktail Chatter uh, series, and uh, the last reports from the road, and the yeah. beginnings of, I don't know, maybe and maybe we'll talk about less politics. I'm sorry. Well, we should ask we should ask our party people if they want us to talk about less politics. And if Ann should cut her hair. That was the big yeah, right. thing. Right. That's the stuff they really That's care about. That's what they care about. Should Ann like, cut her hair? Taxes, taxes, taxes. Is mom going to cut her hair? There's a there's an epidemic of hair cutting going on. So she's just a trend follower. She's, she's following um, Pamela Anderson. The drunken whore. The fuck are you doing? The fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, and Jennifer Lawrence cut her hair. Did she? Yes. This is the it's moment where I part. pretend to care it about It might Jennifer actually Lawrence be for a part hair, yeah. with Jennifer Lawrence. With the rest of them, it's just whatever. All right, let's wrap it up. i got to go to the bathroom. Well, that's a lovely way to end <laughs> up the show, and maybe we'll cut that out. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you for joining us uh, for this penultimate edition of the Dinner Party Show Cocktail Chatter Road Reports 
special. <laughs> I'm your host, Eric Shaw Quinn, with co-host and guest... Christopher Rice, it's good to be here. And thank you all for listening. I've been to a marvelous party.